Hello, you are listening to Jump and Shoot, a gaming podcast. As always, I am your host, Joey, and today I have forfeited and basically expunged my old co-host because the pimple is dead, and today I'm joined by two new guests, actually one of whom is new. Um, Say hi. How's it going, everybody? Hello. Oh, name, sorry. Still you're all good. No, my name's Frank. Um, I've been on here before. Joey's the homie. He hit me up and said, hey, let's talk. And I'm like, when? You know, same time <laughs> and place. Uh, I love... Uh, oh, wait, we haven't even... We didn't even say what we were talking about yet, so I'm not going to spoil that. Ooh. <laughs> you can go next, buddy. Oh, okay. Uh, hi. Uh, my name is Isaiah. You might know me on Twitter as Sonoga. But I am also a very big fan of the thing that we're going to be talking about today, so I'm looking forward to it. Tony Hawk's Pro Skater. Love it. <laughs> no, oh, oh, dude, I'm, I'm a Tony Hawk's ride, man. Big fan. Ride? Dude, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. Downhill jam. <laughs> uh, I'm more so- of an underground kid. Okay, I'm I'm a boomer. I like the first four and then the the recent game a lot. Those are my favorite, which is kind of a remake, I guess. Um, but yeah, so I I didn't do my intro as usual because I was just so excited to to talk to my friends here. Uh, so this is uh, our jump and shoot uh, side quest series. So it's a, a series of live stream discussion based podcasts, uh, sort of free form about the topic of our guests choosing basically. And, uh, these are a little bit different than our regular produced episodes because, uh, like I said, these are streamed. They're a little bit, uh, less planned out, I guess. So a little loose, a little crazy. Uh, and basically we just pick a topic and riff on it for however long, usually about 90 minutes, but you know, things change. And what are we talking about today? Isaiah, what, what, what's going on? We are talking about the wonderful genre called Metroidvanias. You might know of as search action, though. Uh, oh, that's, that's a really good way to start this off, because let me just, I just want to get this out, out, out there early on. Um, and I hate to bring, so like whenever I, I hate something, I try not to bring any attention to it, any kind of exposure. Uh, but I have to bring this up because I want to poop all over it. And somebody was like kind of creating a troll name for this genre called Castle Roids. What? And in this house, it doesn't even make sense. I don't understand it. Wait, a Castle Roid? Come on, that doesn't tell me a thing. It sounds like a castle on drugs, actually. Uh, yeah, or just like something like a hemorrhoid that's like super Victorian or something. I don't know. Medieval, maybe. Um, but yeah, no, I, I refuse to acknowledge that in this house, and I would hope that my guests also follow the same logic, but I, yeah, I, have, no. <laughs> I have been known to be trolled before, so we'll see what happens. Um, what are, yeah, so like, what are your guys' preferred names for Metroidvanias? Metroidvania. Yeah, that's just what I've same always thing. called it. I, I don't think uh, search action is the worst thing in the world, but I'm not going to use it, and that can't make me. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's, a, that's a good way to put it. Um, when was the first time you guys heard about this genre name? Because I think for me, I don't, th- 
I think around the time that either Aria of Sorrow came out or Harmony of Dissonance that I saw people using the term and I was like, I thought there was something I was missing or something, but I may have just been like a 15-year-old GameFAQs user, so I was probably severely lacking in the IQ department. So when did you guys hear about this term? Um, probably somewhere like in on game facts or something for when i first saw it because i was playing the games and i didn't play like my first non metroid uh metroidvania was uh circle of the moon on game boy advance i actually didn't play uh the symphony of the night before that or anything um so that was probably about the time that you started to you know get on the internet a lot more. So I'm sure that was probably when I got on there like, Oh, that, and I'm like, yeah, that reads, I'm down with that. <laughs> Hell yeah. What about you, Isaiah? When do you recall um, this? For me, I want to say I first heard the term when I was around 12 years old. Um, that was around the age that I first got into Castlevania. And my first game was Aria of Sorrow, and it's still my favorite Metroidvania. Dread yeah. comes really close. Uh, we'll talk about that later, though. But yeah, um, around the age of 12, I got a notebook laptop for Christmas. It was a crappy piece of shit. It couldn't run anything, but it could play Game Boy GBA games. So I binged so many of those when I was around 12, 13, 14. And... When I was looking for games to play, I've always wanted to get into the Castlevania games that weren't like styled after the NES games because I did have like uh, one, two, three, and uh, Super under my belt already. But then I heard about like the other Castlevania games, like uh, Symphony of the Night. I couldn't run Symphony of the Night on that computer, but <laughs> yeah. But I heard about another game that was similar to it called Aria of Sorrow and how great it was and. People described it as a Metroidvania. I didn't know what that was at the time until then. Sick. Yeah. Uh, it's crazy, though, man, that you are ruining Nintendo's Metroid sales retroactively <laughs> <laughs> by having played them on an emulator. Uh, so one of the one I hate to like do cross promotional things here, but I have to do it. One of our our prize possessions and super RPG friends is making David Lynch say something. And uh, so in this, it's like, if I, whenever I hear this emulation debate, I always think of De David Lynch as being like, if you think you've played a video game on your fucking telephone, <laughs> get real. Um, but yeah, sorry. I had to bring that up because it's topical. <laughs> Can you believe it? Can't, and if you can't believe it, <laughs> if you can't believe it, um, yeah, uh, that's, I, I, I wanted to get a little bit of, of uh, perspective on there because it's, it's interesting to see where people have come into this genre. And again, I'm still a little bit apprehensive to use the term Metroidvania, but I feel like I don't know. I don't. I don't get a bug up my ass about it because it's like it's just at the end of the day, just a heuristic. It doesn't define like describing something as a genre doesn't make it that genre. It's just an easy way to shortcut talking about stuff. It's like when people yeah. end up being like really pedantic <coughs> about um, uh, 
about like turn-based or you know the jrpgs stuff like that like i i get it um but at the you know at the end of the day it does kind of sort of define what these things are and what they do so whatever uh but yeah i think i want to say that well the first metroidvania i guess i played then was the nes metroid but i don't know if that really you know kind of it counts that's that counts right yeah it counts um but i didn't like quite realize how everything sort of fits together in that genre and that style of game until probably around the gba uh castlevanias because even though i played symphony of the night it was still like i didn't really quite grasp the fact that it was different i don't know how to describe that um but it was like i i started to notice the nuances but i didn't put it together that it was like a specific type of game or approach to to a game i was just like mm-hmm. oh it's like castlevania but you got like uh rpg elements you can level up so it, it is what it's it an is easy way to sell me man just throw some numbers <laughs> at man give me a bigger tiny <laughs> level up <laughs> I always thought the, uh, it, especially in like the Castlevanias, the the level up, they're so good at making it feel so good. Like they freeze it, like it yeah, jumps. they freeze and you get the thing above you. Yeah, like window yeah. movie maker transitions in above <laughs> you. It's so good. Like you got that GeoCities hot font coming up. Level up. So, I love it. It's so good. Like size seventy two a- Edwardian script, baby. <laughs> you know you dinging. uh that's that's yeah no i think so that's a good that's a good topic though uh what are some of the more successful things or not successful um the more engaging elements of this genre to you guys because i think to me one of the biggest things is exactly what you said just the sort of uh just you get so much easy pleasure and sympathy or in sympathy um serotonin serotonin what is a sympathy what the fuck uh, yes you <laughs> get so much sympathy i i i ate a bunch of candy corn today and it's like slowly changing my yeah. brain chemistry i know i know i did it to myself the mitochondria is breaking down <laughs> slowly. but no yeah you get a huge serotonin or dopamine rush from these games like there's so many things in them that are designed to give you instant gratification whether it be the level ups like seeing a wall you can't climb over and then getting a double jump and being like oh shit yeah so many things <laughs> just opened up to me i'm ready um well, but yeah, especially, what, what, when, yeah. especially when a lot of those like exploration stuff also have a way to affect the combat of the game too yeah like when it's equal parts like an exploration tool and like a combat utility it's it makes it so much sweeter because you get that you get that double like, like ah yes in all parts of the game this is good for me yeah yeah i so one thing that people always talk about when talk about metroidvania is, is the exploration aspect and Man, I feel like that just means so many different things to people cuz some people think of that some people think of exploration as like walking around getting lost trying to figure out where to go and then some people think of it as is more of like a reward system right like a, a, a almost like a breadcrumb trail or something like this where you exploration to them means walking around and trying to find items or i guess in the case of like some of the 
GBA Castlevanias and Symphony of the Night where like you find new enemies to give you new skills or souls or uh, equipment that kind I of love, stuff. I love I think the, yeah. the, the souls is such a good fucking like you just anytime you see something new you're automatically like all right time to kill this thing a hundred times because I want to see what this does what it what it can do it could be so many different things and it's even if it's even ones that you're like okay like that's cool but I'm not going to like use it it's still you, you still get a cool moment of a you get the serotonin from the like I fucking got it and then b you also get the experimentation and you get to be like oh what does this do and you're like oh that's cool like it's just it, it's so rewarding and it's just another like because there already was a little bit of that with like weapons and the rpg mechanics and that but it's like it just doubled down on like we're saying those little moments of like oh fuck yeah and, and they all the way down to instead of like because you can only have so many like super unique weapons and stuff like that i feel like the souls especially because you can get things that give you like movement options. You can get things that give you just stat boosts, familiars. It's not just like, okay, I'm going to be able to swing this new thing. It's just, it, it was such a good fucking idea. Like, like it, 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 dude, it's just yeah. like dark souls. It's exactly like dark souls. That's there it is. <laughs> uh, Isaiah, what about you, man? What is, how do you define exploration or rather, what does it mean to you too? Depending on how you want um, to Exploration is, for me, is, like, mainly, like, piecing things together. We're talking about, like, breadcrumbs earlier, and, like, it's, like, getting a new thing by exploring, and then you realize, like, oh, shit, this so much stuff just opened up to me because I have this new thing. I think Metroid does that the best, and it's probably why Dread might end up being my favorite Metroidvania, the more I think about it, because I think it does that, like, so, just superbly. Awesome. And... It's kind of why um, Bloodstained, the more I look back on it, kind of fell short for me. I love that game's combat. I love like exploring and stuff. But the problem with that game for me was a lot of the power-ups were kind of worthless as far as like exploring goes. Like mm-hmm. There's like very the teleport, which you get at the very end of the game, and it doesn't do anything. Um, there's the laser that's used for like maybe two or three rooms. Mm-hmm. And like... I'm hoping that the sequel like fixes that because I think like earlier Castlevania games they have a problem with that to an extent um, depending on the game. I know uh, Dawn of Sorrow also had a problem with that for some of yeah. its power ups. I think but, some of the GBA Castlevanias yeah. in general did. Uh, so you bring up a good point, and I think, man, one of the trappings or pitfalls of Metroidvanias to me is. Okay, so it's a it's a very efficient genre to develop because you develop like a a map, right? And then mm-hmm. you block off certain sections with power-ups that you find and blah blah blah. So I think I don't I I I never want to call developers lazy because I don't think that's ever true. I think maybe the amount of times that's ever actually true are like very small. Um, mm-hmm. I think even Superman 64 was probably not lazy. It was just misguided. Um, oh, that game had a horrible development cycle. If you, uh, read up on it. Yeah. Uh, so I bring this up because I feel like a lot of times Metroidvania games will sometimes fall into a, uh, I'm going to sneeze. <laughs> Excuse me. Sorry. <laughs> Metroid games fall or Metroidvania games fall into this very like 
formulaic thing of uh, blocked path. Oh no, blocked path. Got to find the item to do it. Oh, and then some, then you'll get an upgrade that exactly like what you said is very similar. Like it just like used once. It's just a key. Yeah, that's the worst yeah. when it really is just like used once and forgotten about. Yeah, like, those yeah. context-based items. Right. It does, there you go. Context-based items. Um, and I I feel like games that do really well in this genre or style or whatever. It, take context-based items and apply it to all aspects of of gameplay um yeah sort of like the speed booster speed booster in metroid is really good there's a really good the example speed booster of this. Is amazing uh One. super missiles stuff oh, yeah, like that's yeah. really good because it's like yeah. sure it opens up a door it it functions as a generic key or like MacGuffin or whatever but it also helps you out in combat like it, there's yeah, a linear progression point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, and taking that further, games that offer context-based uh, upgrades that integrate into combat that have like not just a linear progression. Uh, what's a really good example of this? Um, okay, the the charge beam in Metroid. Okay, mm-hmm. like being able to sort of uh, janky screw attack with the char- while you're holding a charge in Metroid. That. Like stuff like that is really interesting. Um, things like uh, the d- the dive kick in some of the Castlevanias, uh, mm-hmm. where ah, it, it, yeah. it almost functions as like an offensive option as well as a movement tool, as well as a way to sequence break. Even mm-hmm. so, mm-hmm. I think stuff like that is super interesting, and I wish more developers like try to integrate that better. Um, let's get a little critical here, boys. What Metroidvania game do you guys think feels very by the numbers? Um, let me think about that. Um, let me um, I would say the most recent one I didn't like is Bloodstained. I mentioned it earlier. Still a good game. Still a pretty good game. But, um, yeah, I didn't really try a whole lot of things. There were a lot of fluff mechanics uh, I didn't really like. Like, why Why is there a cooking mechanic in that game? Did anyone <laughs> use that? Uh, I did for the trophies. That was it. <laughs> they give you really broken uh, buffs. But yeah, you don't like, need them. You don't need them. You don't need to bother with that ever, which is why I didn't. I just sold them so I could have more potions. <laughs> yeah, at the end of the at the end of the day, that's kind of what it comes down to is just like a quick healing item or whatever. Um, I yeah. do think it helps with like uh, I think in, in that particular example, um, I think there's a luck food, which increases oh. your chance to get the souls. To get the shards. Yeah, shards. Yeah. Um, so yeah. like oh. that. That's kind of cool. It's not completely, completely useless, but I definitely see what you mean. Like, I, I feel like a lot of the mechanics in that game were just kind of put in because why not? Yeah, like they were put in because why not? Or I think some of them might have been like Kickstarter goals or something. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's pretty. I, I I feel the same about Bloodstain. I mean, I, re- I liked it, but it's 
I liked it by virtue of it being a genre that I enjoy by a developer who has a pretty solid grasp about what makes these games fun, but it did feel very like milk toast. Yeah. It, I don't know if that's just part of part of that of the development was just maybe trying to pick up and how to make a game that looks like Castlevania, but isn't, you know? Um, Yeah. I, I think playing Metroid Dread might have made me more critical about that game because Dread, oh man, I love that game to pieces. It's so great. Um, but one of the main things is the graphics. I know a lot of people have been critical about the graphics for Bloodstained a long time. Yes. I didn't really get it until I played Dread. Hmm. And then I, my computer, I can play uh, Bloodstained on max settings with a fine frame rate, but... I, I still just come come out of it feeling like something is off about it. I, I don't know like how to put it. Yeah, it's because I think the game, you know, the game, I mean, all, most games rather, are pretty much designed in 3D with a 2D perspective. But I feel yeah. like the way that game works within its engine, and I'm pretty sure the engine is just Unreal. Yeah, right? it's Unreal 4. Yeah, uh, so yeah. the way, the way, I don't know, the way it works in there is like... Uh, it just looks funny. It, it's not super refined, I don't think. Like, the, the not at all. The jagged models. Some, it, okay, so it it commits to the egregious sin of those like two point five D looking games, where there's a secret Z axis, you know, and then like some sometimes yeah. stuff will hit you, and you're like, what the fuck? And it hit you because the Z axis wasn't really fine tuned as well as it could have been. Uh. So sorry, I don't want to go too deep into Bloodstained, but I think it's a, that's a good example. Frank, what about you, man? What's a, I always try to get Frank to, to be a little bit critical because he's just such a posy, happy boy. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm trying to find what that... It was so boring that I like forgot about it, but it was a game <laughs> I reviewed for JP, and it was just like... It was called like Omega Force or some shit, and I looked it up, and that's not the name of it. But like, <laughs> it was it's so forgettable. You literally yeah, forgot it. Yeah, like it just. I like I did it. I banged out my review, and then I was just like purged this from my memory. Like, I, if my switch was here, I could look through my download history. But like, I'm trying to remember <laughs> what the fuck it is. Honestly, like, dude, that kind of makes it better that you don't remember it. it yeah, I, just, I feel it's like a it adds serious game. Yeah. <laughs> Oh man, I, 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 I don't really think I've ever played a Metroidvania that I've slept through, but uh, I think, and some of these are like a little bit, like maybe it's not a Metroidvania, but whatever. Um, I think, I think Blasphemous is kind of bunk. Like it's a fine game. Oh, it's so I, I actually really like Blasphemous. I just um, sell me on it. Tell me. Okay, so the main thing about Blasphemous is that you don't really treat it as much of a like a Metroidvania as you do like a 2D Dark Souls. That's why like yeah. the movement's so like slow and jank and stuff. And I think that's really interesting. There's not many games like that. That's true. Uh, my my problem with it though is that like when the game opens up and like expects you to backtrack and go through areas that you've been before, that's when the trappings of like or like the sort of Metroidvania-esque trappings seep through. And like when I was like going through the same old screens over and over and over again, I was like getting real bored because like, 
like you said, the game is more like a 2D, like 16-bit era side-scrolling game. So when you when you design a world that's interconnected the way a Metroidvania is, and you have to use that gameplay, it could be really, really just milk toast again, just because you're going through the motions and there's nothing there to innovate backtracking, basically. Yeah, I think I actually get that um, more than I think about it. I didn't mention this, but I should have mentioned it in place of Dark Souls. Um, Joey, I'm not really sure if you're going to agree with it even being a Metroidvania for how much it just fucks it up, but uh, <laughs> Mega Man ZX. I was just thinking yeah. about Mega Man ZX. Yeah, I, that's I a really good example, ZX, actually. But it is like, they were like, so what makes this this fancy Metroidvania thing that kids are doing nowadays? <laughs> and they were like, well, this, 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 and this. And they were like, stick it in, throw the Mega Man it, code it, yeah. on it. Like, and it's like, in my opinion, like, it's it's fine, but it's just, it's, fine. it's not a great Metroidvania. It's a fine Mega Man game, but it's not a great Metroidvania. Right. Yeah. Uh, man, so... I'm going to go back to the Mega Man roots of this podcast for a second and talk a little bit about ZX. Thank you for bringing this up. Because um, I had forgotten about it, pretty much. And uh, ZX is funny because it's like... I still really want a Mega Man Metroidvania, like a true one. Like one of my dream concepts is like an end to the, the classic Mega Man series that is framed in a Metroidvania setting. So you go through like a big giant Wily's castle and you fight every single robot, robot master and you have like every ability from there. And I think that'd be sick. It sounds like um, Wily Tower from uh, the Wily Wars. Yes. Put it like that. Very similar, yeah. Um, just like with more modern concepts and sensibilities yeah. here. Um, but yeah, with so like when ZX was coming out, I remember being like, "Oh, dude, that is so sick! I love this! I love this concept! It's whatever." Uh, I was playing all the. I had just played all the GBA Castlevanias, the and I think Dawn of Sorrow had come out, so I was really starting to love that kind of gameplay. But I didn't actually play ZX until a couple years ago maybe four mm -hmm. years ago. And then when I played it, I was like, oh, this is like, uh, I sleep <laughs> through most of it. Because <laughs> it's yeah. like, the, the, the map sucks. Like the, the, the map actual... is terrible. It's... <laughs> the map is horrible. Uh, Just it's... the big like, map. This spot at some point goes to this spot and that's all we're giving you. Like... Right. And it's like, it's not really clear. The, the We were all talking about what our personal definitions of exploration mean to us in these games. Mm -hmm. And I feel like ZX didn't really check any of our boxes and, nope. and it's not a, it's not a bad game. Like it's fun. It's like moving around and it is really fun. The movement is cool. Yeah. The way that you could fuck things up in that game is really satisfying in the same way that it was in the zero series. Maybe not as good. Uh, but at the same time, like, I just don't really think that that added anything to the gameplay of it. If it had been, like, stage-based instead, I think ZX would have been... Like, Much better had, off. Yeah, yeah. If, if you could do the stages, like, out of order mm -hmm. like you could in any other Mega Man game, pretty mm -hmm. much, it would have been... And then you get, like, the the models as you go, each time that you clear a stage. or You know, something like that um, could have been a lot more engaging gameplay-wise to me. But I don't know. What about yeah. Advent? How do you feel about Advent? I was about to say, I, 
Admirals is it hardly counts as a Metroidvania in my mm. opinion because of how linear it is now. Like you still technically have to like go back to areas. There's backtracking and stuff, but it's like a Metroidvania in like the barest sense. And to me, I'm not really sure if that makes it worse or not. Um, because like on one end, the map's not functionally useless like it was in ZX One, but at the same time, like uh, everything else is just it's the same. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, into bosses. That's like the only thing that I found was definitely just it was more of the stuff that was real white bread about ZX and like yeah. with a little bit of a better map. But I just it was one of those things where I was like, oh, I can just turn into the fucking robot masters. Okay, cool, sold. Let's do. Let's just play this game as eight different characters or whatever. And like, <laughs> I thought that was really cool. But for the Metroidvania, I agree completely that it was just it was just barely there it was like it used the metroidvania like mask just as like i'm trying as to think a of selling a good point, honestly yeah 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 it kind of it's it's like it did the bare minimum to qualify itself as one uh i i like advent a lot more than zx i actually think yeah. advent kind of rules uh, but yeah, but you're right though. You guys are both. I, I think that they realized that the Metroidvania stuff wasn't working super well, mm-hmm. um, so they like backpedaled on it a little bit. Uh, and if you look at Advent's stage design, it's like it feels like individual levels. Like it, it really does. It feels like it feels a lot less like it's like an open map and more like just straight up stages. I think. God damn it, I hate that I'm bringing up Dark Souls, but Dark Souls does the same thing where it's like each bonfire feels like a stage, right? I agree. I agree. And and even though it's like a big world and it feels cohesive as a world, um, each little microcosmic area is like its own stage. And I think Mm -hmm. Advent did a pretty deep, an okay job at that. I'll say, but the gameplay of Advent was was sick. Um, you said a word that I think is really important for this discussion, and it's linear. Uh, I think a lot of people forget how unbelievably linear most Metroidvanias are. Um, yeah, I think Super Metroid and all its sequence breaking probably gave people the wrong impression. Yes. And even the, you know, I just replayed the GBA Castlevanias uh, not even like a week and a half ago. And even those games, I mean, again, okay, let's not take into account sequence breaking because it's such like a, it can mean, like, it's hard to bring that into, like, it's hard to determine how much of that was intentional by the developers and whatever. I think with Super Metroid, it's a really good example, though, because it, they were figuring that out then. Yeah. Um, but even the GBA Castlevanias are like super, super linear for the most part. Uh, like very rare, very rarely do you have oppor- opportunities where you can be like, okay, I could either go to this area or this area. It's mostly like I can go to this area, but then this wall is going to block me off. And then I have to go to the other area. And I don't really consider like that non-linearity but yeah i don't really i wouldn't really say it's about whether the games are linear or not it's about how like well it hides that fact okay mainly what's like uh 
like you can still get lost even though your your like progress through the game is usually going to be like 90% the same each time you'll play it so mm-hmm. uh, I, I think that's what defines it mainly where uh, frank what about you where where do you fall on this the, the linear debate it's i don't think that metroidvanias have to be this like insanely non-linear experience like sometimes when i hear people talk about like like i think like fusion which yes is extremely linear but like it's it doesn't like i'm fine with it kind of giving me stuff along the way but like what it is with the um with the linearity is it's just it, it, it's still generally got a little bit more than your average game i'd say um as outside of like just an open world fuck fest like <laughs> it, it's still you're still making decisions and you're still being rewarded for like joe's dying i don't know um, why open world fuck fest dude i just like i i thought it was like an h game or something for a second <laughs> <laughs> Um, no, yeah, no, yeah. Wish listed on Steam, bro. Um, oh no. <laughs> sometimes I don't like open world games. That's where that comes from. No, um, I, I, I got, it. I, I felt that ire, and I'm, I share that sentiment too. But sorry, but it, it's, um, yeah, like I still think it's, it's a kind of a hallmark of the series, but it doesn't have to be like an overwhelming amount of open. Like I think like Hollow Knight's honestly a little too open. Um, I spent a lot of time just being like, well, time to check the end of every fucking spot on this map until I find which was the way that I was supposed to go. Like, that was one of the reasons that I actually initially bounced off that game. And then I revisited and put a few more hours into it and got some more movement stuff. And then I actually started to really like it and fall in love with the world a lot more and stuff like that. But that was something that was a trend that was present through a lot of it is that it was so open and you could go so many different ways that to account for the fact that you could get all these different powers, they tried to, they tried to take it into account a little bit too much. And it just led to you having so many um, like a Metroidvania dead end, you know, like I know I'll get past this eventually, Mm -hmm. but that it became almost like overwhelming to remember all of them. And then you just get to the point where you're like, okay, I guess I'll just maneuver my way around this hard ass map. map. And you can't yeah, bring up like, the maps. Yeah, like it's it's. I think that's uh, that game's a good example of when it's like they just go fucking crazy with it. And so, like, yes. and I do love that game. I do. I think it's a, it was an amazing experience, and I love me a good old hard game here and there. But like, TM. Um, but like, <laughs> I, I definitely think that's a good example of like the opposite end of like like fusion you know right. like no yeah no that's like that's yeah. like a, it's a spectrum for sure and hollow knight is definitely on the more open ended aspect of that so i the my issue with hollow knight and it's the same as yours in in theory but it's that because of of the way that the the progress is designed like your your progress route, route through the game is designed and all mm-hmm. those like little dead ends um you end up having to traverse areas that don't really have good level design. The thing about mm-hmm. Hollow Knight yeah. is that the level design is not great. And it's like, at least to me, there's a lot of like really small jumps that like seem like they're getting in, in your way. And it's like a good, good Metroidvanias 
good Metroidvania level design, rather, uses platforming to overcome a challenge rather than to traverse, if that makes mm-hmm. sense. So it's like yeah. you have to, you have, maybe there's a big, long vertical room, and when you get to the top of it, then there's an upgrade, but there's no other en- exits to the room, so you don't have to constantly go back and jump across boring platforms that you've already done. Hollow Knight shoves that shit down your throat so much. And it's just like, I, I had so many moments playing that game, and it's been a long time. The last time I played it was when it first came out for Switch. And I remember just so many times being like, do I really have to go through this room again? Well, it's like, yeah. I, I'm pretty sure everyone has probably taken the long way somewhere in Hollow Knight to avoid yes. dealing with the bullshit in some area. Like, <laughs> yeah, like, that's hey, my hey, fucking with jellyfish. I fucking hate the jellyfish things that you hit it and then they just fly at you and explode <laughs> at like a high velocity. So it's like one of those things you're just like, you know what? Unless I have to be there, fuck that place. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. That's that's my issue with Hollow Knight too. Um, a lot of Metroidvanias actually, and also an issue with Bloodstained. Keep bringing that game up. <laughs> um, it's that a lot of the platforming you do is functionally pretty useless. Um, like, that's what I like about that's that. That's what I like about uh, games like Metroid Dread or most Metroid games. Really, is that they make really, really good use of like their space because yes. Developers don't really know how many times you're gonna go uh, like through a single room, and they account for that normally. That's what mm-hmm. they should do. So, like getting through one room or two rooms or three rooms, so you can get back to where you was before, it should never be that much of a pain in a Metroidvania game. Yes. And with Hollow Knight, it always go- it's always going to be because there's so much like required platforming that you have to do. It gets a little bit grating after a while. Yeah. No, I agree. Um, God damn it. I have to bring up Dread because you're talking about it, um, and I and just I I love Metroid Dread a lot. I, I'm not like I don't want to I don't want to not talk about it because I hate it or anything because that's not true. I just I've been beating the Metroid horse to death. <laughs> so, but uh, I think Dread is a really really good example of this exact subject because. So many people, I've been seeing this all over Twitter and uh, journalism in general, about B- Dread being so open or just as open as Super Metroid or whatever. And it's like, bro, it's like a step above Fusion. It has a couple of innovations where it's like you can sequence break and get Morph Ball bombs to kill Kraid instantly. There's a couple cool, funny little goofs and quirks like that that are really awesome. But in terms yeah. of critical path and the way that the game leads you through the critical path and the progress of the game through upgrades, it straight up like blocks you off to make sure you're not going the wrong way. And that's fine, but it doesn't... I love it. I, I, I love that too, but it, it, it doesn't give you options to explore new places. There, there's not like... um. I would be fine with it, like, okay, let's say you go through block A, and then you don't go back to block A until way later because there's another upgrade, whatever. Um, but it, the game will block you off from going to block A because there's nothing there that you can get. But what happens is instead of giving you divergent paths to go to block C and D and B, it just leads you to block B. So there's no real running around and exploring. And again, there's a couple exceptions to this but to as a whole that's kind of like how the game's flow is 
And I think it's fine because it makes like a really solid experience, but the annoying part of me also just wants something more free, well, if that makes sense. I, I loved how it made the world feel very alive. Things changed, things happened. Yeah. And it, it, it Yeah, there's like a lot of dynamic stuff happening in it. You're I right. went every time that I like had to wander around for a while it was a hundred percent my own fault because the way i was supposed to go was right in front of my face and i Same. come back and i'm like i fucking checked everything so i guess i'll just shoot this wall here and oh shoot the floor it always works it's very good at like because like you said it, it's a step above fusion in how it guides you but it does it quietly it doesn't yeah, it have does, adam yeah. like yelling at you. it does it through it does it through organics environmental tells and stuff like that but like, it does also adam literally does tell you what to do though he, does. he literally um, does yeah, yeah he does in those rooms but they're they're, they're the, those are just he's like you need to find something <laughs> to get out of this place and, and i'm just like yeah. i'm he doesn't he doesn't open your map up and go Right, yeah, so that's you have true. To watch the little, you know, that's like, true. And that's what I mean. It, it, it's a step above, but there, there's a lot of organic stuff that the game does yes. to get you to move in the right direction, independent yeah. of Adam. The, the like, way it averts your eyes, the way that it, it shows you part of a, a room that, like, that you know you have to get to, but you can't get to through that room. Yeah. A really good example, this is the underwater area where you know you have to get in this one specific spot, but you can't get there yet. And it's like stuff like that. That's really good level design because it doesn't mm -hmm. make it doesn't feel obtuse just to be obtuse, or like like that kind of NES Simon's Quest way of like stumping the player just by doing something. It's like via a got him moment. Yeah, that's like oh, make sure like you know you crouch in this one area for twelve seconds. Oh, but it, one NPC kind of hinted at that, but wasn't really so. You know that kind of shit. That um, yeah, it doesn't do anything like the tornado in Simon's Quest. Yeah. Thank God. Yeah. Um. So there, there's dread was really good in terms of that. It didn't. It it did respect your time. I think very well. But yeah. <laughs> Sometimes I want to get my time disrespected a little bit. Like I, I maybe I just Joey maybe with his degrading kink pushing it on. Yeah, all I was gonna it. say maybe I'm just a like a <laughs> a secret bottom. But like, um, no, all I, those switches, Joey. <laughs> I did play Metroid Dread on my Switch. <laughs> See so. exactly. Mm. But handheld? No, I didn't play. I played it docked. So. That does make me a pot. Anyway, um, I, uh, I I I kind of wish that it had some stuff that was like more specifically like made me feel like I was in invested in it because the game is uh, and Dread is a really I think a lot of modern Metroidvanias are, but Dread is a really good example because it's very lenient with its checkpoints. So, like, if you get fucked up... Everywhere. Everywhere. So, th that kind of makes me sort of... I don't know. That takes away a lot of the fun of yeah, sort of um, the scope of the, the world, the map. I actually agree with that. Um, 
I really, really like the Emmys in that game. I know a couple people are a little divided on them, but I personally really like them. But I think that... Is that, is that you saying you don't like them? <laughs> I'm divided. That's me saying I'm divided. Uh, yeah. yeah. Um, but my thing about the Emmys is I know they mainly made the game overs on them like pretty lenient so like you can go into them like whenever you want people won't get super annoyed at them they won't just quit the game outright but like mm-hmm. i think having a like a stricter game over where there was more to lose like maybe time items or whatever i think it would have made like the encounters have more tension because you have something to lose yes um i think a really good i think that's a you said items in the rooms or something or something some kind of like you can either rush through it or you can take your time and ex, you know do this thing and get a thing. Uh, that's really yeah. good. Also, introducing the Emmy with a checkpoint and then slowly taking them away. That would have been really smart, actually. Uh, but they kind of do that because they make the Emmy sections longer, but then they also punctuate it with other checkpoints. So like you'll leave the because every basically every time you leave an Emmy room, it makes a checkpoint. So yeah. in like the it'll be like every thirty percent of the Emmy encounter there is a uh, an exit that saves your progress, mm-hmm. right? And it's like I just I don't know, man. That doesn't really like to to me one of the best feelings. And maybe again, maybe I'm just masochistic. One of the best feelings about Metroidvanias is where I'm like, oh shit, I'm nowhere near a save point. And I'm about to die. Yeah. Oh God, what do I do? And then I have to like trigger the gamer tm in me to to like you know get through it and i think that that's dope and like even if you die you still have that mental knowledge of what to expect so there's that integration of trial and error versus like uh, dynamic skill level right Mm -hmm. Um, yeah i actually do agree with that that's one of the um I compare Emmy a lot to Nemesis from Resident Evil 3, specifically the PS1 version. To where, like, there's this element where, like, if you get caught by them, you're basically fucked. And, um, you know, Resident Evil, like, punctuates that because, like, you've got limited saves in that game, first of all. And, like, when you do lose a save, you've got to go, like, all the way back to where the last save room was. And I think it would have been cool if Metroid did something like that, too. Yeah, just something just something to punish the player in some way. Yeah. Uh maybe they could have done something like if you die to an Emmy X amount of times, then you lose Let's not easy get access. Dragon Quarter in here, bro. Alright, we're not getting Dragon Quarter. <laughs> Ain't no you, Dragon Counter. Uh, <laughs> you uh, you lose access to easy access to an upgrade. So yeah. like if you die yeah. three times in an Emmy or three or less times on an Emmy, then you get a free, you get an energy tank. But if you die more, then that gets locked off until you get the super missile. I think they really they should have just taken the the ability with the, the stuff with the Emmy and just hidden a lot more items in there to actually make yes. you not just yeah. like open your map. You see, there's an exit up to the left, and just fucking go for it. Like yep. if it rewarded you and had you maybe like okay, like. I won't be able to get this item unless I actually have to deal with this like intensely difficult Emmy route unless until I do Later, the Yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Like, so it's like yeah. it makes you make a decision as a player. Like do I do I and I think that 
would make its um it's it's how many checkpoints it has i think that would make it feel a lot more bearable because you'd be like okay i'm throwing myself trying to get at this specific power up to help me down the line before because i mean like you can meet the emmy and you won't be able to kill that for uh you know uh, quite a while um there can be a lot of upgrades and stuff in areas i just think that would have been a really good way for them to incentivize exploring those areas the areas and dealing with the Emmy rather than just doing your absolute best to hope you got a good role when the door opened. And yeah, that's a big thing too. Yeah. Yes. I, 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 in it. Oh, I've gone in and turned out. I, I've been like, yeah, no, been- fuck this. Like, Nope. <laughs> Dude, I, 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 a bunch of times I walked into a door, like through a door and then walked right into it and there's nothing I could have done. And so I know speedrunners are going to prove us wrong, though. In like two days, they're going to prove us wrong and be like, there's. Yeah, there's probably some method to it. Mm-hmm. So you're going to say something as I, I didn't mean to cut you off. Um, if there was one thing I was kind of hoping they'd do with the Emmy, it's. Again, I'm comparing them to Nemesis from RE3. I was hoping that they would show them show up in like really random places right, yes. like with the SAM. Mm hmm. A hundred percent. I think the SAX was the way to go because the SAX, like it was terrifying if you got near it in the yeah, same the way that SAX an was is. a lot better than an Emmy in my opinion. Like, same, but it was used yeah. way less, way exactly. more. But the, the Emmy was more of a persistent thing, you know, mm-hmm. like the, the, the SAX the was, you're just, you're having a good time. You're fucking exploring. Adam told you where to go, and holy fuck, it sacks. Jesus Christ, it powerbombed you, and now you have to platform through this crazy shirt. Oh, fuck, motherfucker, you fell into a bunch of evil flowers now. Yeah. Deal with it. Like, <laughs> yep. It was such a punctuated point where when you see that door and you're like, all right, here we go again. It's Emmy time. Like, yeah. Like, one of my favorite parts about, uh, Fusion is when the game literally drops you right in front of the SAX, and you just have to book it. That's yep. Yep. Mm-hmm. so good. You don't really get that same kind of thing with the Emmy. Um, I do think the Emmy's Emmy encounters are still like pretty tense. Yeah, but since you they're, know they're, they're coming in advance, it's, it's not like it's not like that, that. There's that unpredictability that like yeah. just makes the whole Dude. thing scary. Oh God, what you just said, man. Okay, I'm getting canceled for this. Because of how how condescending it's going to sound. I think for casual players, Emmys are a lot more terrifying than they are for people who are bigger gaming enthusiasts or more aware. I don't think I'm ever going to be scared by the Emmys. Nemesis in RE3 is the scariest thing I've ever seen in a video game. Dude, yes. Uh, Because I haven't played the remake of 3, but in PlayStation 1, RE3, fuck. Oh, yeah. fuck. That yeah. game fucked. <laughs> yeah. I, can't, I, like, screamed so many times just because, as a kid. Uh, I shriek in general, but, like, yeah, I have a lot of lot of scary memories of RE3, that's for sure. <laughs> um, but sorry, okay, I hate to cut the cord on Metroid, but, again... I'm biased. Yeah. I've talked about it enough. I, I, but I, I will use Metroid to segue something. Because of the name, and again, it's just a name of something. It doesn't really matter that much. Um, in the title Metroidvania, where do you think the Metroid ends and the Castlevania begins, or vice versa? Um, I would say mainly combats and uh, level ups, because Metroid doesn't have that. Castlevania does. 
not every uh, Metroidvania has one or the other. Yes. Yeah. Good way of putting that. It's definitely something that I'd attribute more to the Roid side of the, the spectrum is like the RPG mechanics rather than the Metroid stuff tends to be a little bit more like atmospheric and yeah, yeah. puzzles and exploration based. Oh, it's, it's, it's interesting to see because like, um, uh, what the hell is it called? Axiom Verge one is a Metroid Metroidvania and Axiom Verge two is a Castlevania Metroid. Such a good description. Like Such it, good. it's because it, Axiom Verge two and it, to go back to when we were talking about like, um, what is exploration? That game is one of the most exploration-focused Metroidvania games I've ever played. That game, all it wants you to do is go and try to find crazy stuff. And, like, it's the, the combat is such a... They're like, well, I mean, there's fucking robots, and sometimes you got to kill them, whatever. But, like, it's just because you're trying to explore, and they give you so many crazy options to get around. And there's the whole, like, alternate world with the droid and stuff, whereas... Um, Axiom Verge 1, that is a, like, you are bullet-spammed, awesome, yeah. feeling super powerful, like... It's like Contra, almost. More like yeah, Contra, they, yeah. They're both uh, very different examples of what a Metroidvania can be, which makes me very curious about what they're going to do in the third one. Are we going to, like, meet you in the middle? Like, I don't know. I it, haven't it, played 2 yet. Be, I have little, not played 2. Three. It's fun. I, I definitely recommend it. I think I overall still think i had a better time with one but it's also because i kind of enjoyed the setting and the mythos in one a bit more but mm -hmm. two was a really good time and it was a fun it's fun to see developers mess with the formula or like showcase something else especially within its own series yeah um speaking of axiom verge indie metroidvanias because this is a big thing in the last five even ten years You've been seeing, I mean, there really aren't any like, you know, triple A or big budget Metroidvanias unless you count stuff like, you start going more abstract and then you start counting stuff like Souls or like Frank, you said Control, um, mm -hmm. stuff like that, that feels sort of like that. I remember hearing somebody describe uh, Returnal as Metroidvania and I don't think so. Maybe like a little bit. It's the same gameplay. That's just where we're starting to reach, like, do you not want genre classifications to matter? It's like, yeah. the Zelda's an RPG argument, you know? Right, it's like, yeah. Right, you're not wrong, but we need to draw the line somewhere, or else yeah. these classifications that these games have in their genres don't mean anything. But, well, I mean, technically, you're doing a little bit of search, a little bit of action. Um, yeah. Quest 64, it's a Metroidvania. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Well, I, I mean, well, I think it's like it's like anything else. Like, it's about the context of it and how the mechanics mm -hmm. are used and how much of a capital G gamer you're feeling like being that day. So it's like that's why I really push this agenda that it's sort of like a loose term. Um, mm -hmm. But Indie Castle or <laughs> Indie Metroidvanias. Isaiah, have you played any that you think really stand out? Or maybe ones that don't stand out? I just punched my mic. Uh, I did mention Blasphemous earlier. There was another game that I also played. It was more Souls-like than Metroidvania-like. I forget the name of it because it was so short. But it had like an all-black-and-white art style. I need to, I need to find it. All-black-and-white? Roboto? No, God of yeah. Roboto. Was, or was it Kunai? 
No. Um, I forget the name of it. It, it is the name is very similar to uh, Blasphemous. So let me look it up. Quick. Kunai was fine. Gata Roboto was fun, but I haven't played. Fine. I haven't played either of those. Just little little switch indies. The Gata Roboto is about a cat in a mech suit, and just it's got like Game Boy aesthetic. Fun little thing. Kunai just was. It was it was fine. It was. Hey, one broken. second. I'll be right back. No problem. Uh, Frank, what about you? That's a that's a good uh, opportunity. Great. Right. <laughs> My stuff is gonna be really messed up for a second visually. Sorry, guys. It's okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna fix it. Um, what 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 was the I got i responded to him and like forgot what he was saying what the talk was oh the the con what what is the um what it was some good indie metroidvanias that you have played well um fucking iconoclast is really fucking good i really like Icon iconoclast it's like very super nintendo uh kind of what it goes for the world is a lot of fun like you you're a mechanic girl with a big wrench and like there's always kind of stuff where there's like uh, big bolts and you gotta fucking uh, crank them and stuff like that. It's, it had a lot of lot of fun with it. Um, the the Mummy Demastered is one I of those. I heard this things. was good, man. I haven't played it yet though. And it's one of those things that you're like, is everyone just is everyone fucking with me? Is this like a big dunk on Frank Wood time? And then I got it, and I was like, you know what? Yeah, it's pretty fun. It, it, it's not changing the game or anything like that but like it was a fun little adventure and you know you're like i didn't expect they were going to make a mummy metroidvania that's actually like a good time yeah Definitely. i've been meaning to pick that up I, time I spinner oh time, time spinner is good yeah i really like time spinner um this actually this copy signed by the guy who made it too oh hell yeah um i need i yeah. wanted to get it physical but by the time i discovered that game it was too late <laughs> Yeah. I mean, it's like, it's not that bad. It's, I think it's like 70 or 80, but that's just seems like a lot of money for like a, a like a game that's usually on sale for $10, mm -hmm. you know, like I'd have to really want to love it to do that. So, um, no, Time Spinner was good. I'm, br I'm glad that you brought up this game because, so I loved the, just the style of the sprites in this game. And mm -hmm. I think the whole art style was great. The problem was, is that the actual utilization of the art style became really droll because there's a lot of really flat areas. Oh, well, uh, hold on one sec. He's not bad. There we hey. go. Yeah, I gave him. Yeah. There we go. Uh, Sorry, we we had some technical difficulties there. Uh, we were talking about we are talking about Time Spinner though. Yeah, so uh, it was a fun little game. The story was was interesting for what it was. Um, I hated the character portraits, and I they were a little really ugly. Stupid complaint, but I just because how cool the sprites look, I didn't like the character portraits. But my problem with that game is that that game definitely goes through the motions. It's very like. This is a Metroidvania. You're doing the Metroidvania things. You're just collecting the things. You're oh, you got blocked. Oh, let's get an upgrade. It just feels so there, just there. Like, um, and then the bosses are cool, but the combat never really feels like it got 
elevate it gets elevated ever so it's a good game i just don't think it's like super amazing mm-hmm. but i think ah. it's a really good starter metroidvania because it's short too um i'm gonna sneeze again isaiah what is uh what are some of your favorite uh indie metroidvanias um i'm gonna be honest i haven't actually played that many besides blasphemous and uh cave story oh cave story Um, how did we not talk about cave story right (laughs) yeah yeah cave story Uh, cave story is cave story is pretty cool um I don't think I like it as much as I used to, mainly because I think I've just been exposed to better stuff since. But yeah. it's definitely not something you, you would find anywhere else. Um, Pixel has like a, just a very distinct way of telling his stories and stuff. Yeah, well, Kim's story was like so ahead of the curve in a lot of ways. Yeah, it came out in, yeah. what, 2001? Yeah. Uh, um, two, maybe? I remember I was... Uh, I was either in either in high school or just about to enter high school when I played it, and um, because before then there were well, there's only the castle and only the Metroid, or only the Metroid and the Vania. There was very little other games that fit that category, uh, and I think Cave Story is just as integral to that to the genre as Metroid and Castlevania were, even though it was sort of influenced by it. Um, oh, absolutely! Because it like inspired, it, like that was like one of the first like indie games I ever played, if not the first. And, one of the first indie games in general, I think. Right, like yeah. apart from like weird bootlegged <laughs> stuff and <laughs> Super Nintendo and stuff like Doom. Doom, I guess, counts. Doom definitely counts. Um, yeah, yeah. Stuff like that, but like it, it, an indie game as we define it contemporarily, I guess. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, that game is, th- I haven't played it in years though. So I don't know how well it, it holds up. Um, I think it mostly holds up fine in terms of like things like control story and like, uh, I think the boss design in that game is actually pretty good, but, um, wonderful. yeah, really fun bosses. The main thing about that game that it's my main hang up and why I don't really look to what is like the shining example of the genre or whatever is that, it has some really funky, like illogical progression sometimes, especially yeah. when you're trying to get the true ending. Yeah, like, there's true ending. <laughs> there's a moment in the game that most people know about if they played the game because of how stupid it is, and it leads mm-hmm. you getting the bad ending if you decide to do it. It's where I think it's the professor. He falls down, and he falls down, and it looks like he's dying. And it seems like the logical thing you would do is go help him. And as a result, you get, like, uh, one of the booster upgrades from that. But then he dies right after that. But if you don't help him and ignore him and just go on with whatever you were doing, he lives and you get a better booster from that. Mm-hmm. So what's, what, what am I supposed to take away from that? Is there, like, some logic to that? Am I supposed to act like a sociopath? <laughs> no, yeah, because that's, like, that sort of sort of knee-jerk almost game designer. Maybe there was something more intentional there that just gets lost in the translation of making the thing. Um, but yeah, no, that's like the almost SMT kind of shit. <laughs> that, that I just kind of like, I don't know, man. 
I could hear Nick from like across the nation <laughs> waving his fist at me for that statement. <laughs> oh shit, oh, man! I gotta play that still. I uh, I was so pumped for it because Nocturne is like one of my favorite RPGs ever, and then that came out, and I was like, I, t- I may have told this story before, but I got to the the map, and I was listening to the map music and I was like, dude, it's so fucking good. And I left it <laughs> yeah. on for like 20 minutes and then I just n- <laughs> never played it after that. I don't know why I just got distracted and oh, well, oops. But, uh, <laughs> oh yeah. Other indie Metroidvanias that I've played. I actually, I kind of went through a bit of a phase recently. I played a bunch. I played Greek G R E A G R E A K memories of Azure. Um, and that's like, dude, that game is beautiful, but I can't stand it. I hate <laughs> actually playing it. And dogs upstairs are going wild. I hope you guys don't hear that. Um, no, no. But uh, yeah, no, like, like, because you switch between three different characters and you have to micromanage all three at once. And that might be cool, but it just never really felt rewarding to me. I just felt like I was like, developing i could never develop the muscle memory for it and it just like mm-hmm. wasn't i don't know just wasn't fun um but I, I i can understand that some people could love that game beyond reproach it's just i'm not one of them and i played mm-hmm. uh chasm have y'all played that i've heard of it i've never heard of that one actually i've heard of Greek, but not chasm so it, it came out i think a couple of years ago it's like a um okay it's marketed as like a procedurally generated uh, Metroidvania, but it's kind of not. Um, everything is based off seeds, so it's like oh. one, and it, it it only like marginally affects things. Like the the same rooms spawn that just that they might spawn in a different order, or like one room might be copy pasted into another. You know, it's like robot I, name fight in that regard. Yeah, and it's like I, I don't, I don't, I don't take issue with it because I didn't go into that game expecting that to be a thing, but I know that it was marketed and it was like kickstarted with that, that branding in it. Mm-hmm. So I think a lot of people who reviewed it or played it when it first came out maybe were disappointed by that. But it's it's pretty cool, man. It's like um, it's not very long. Uh, it's a pretty short game. But it has a really good difficulty curve, I think, um, especially in the hard modes, because like you can't like it, it doesn't limit your healing capabilities or and items, but it makes them kind of hard to get. It's sort of like Circle of the Moon, you know, with like the cards. No, with like so Circle of the Moon, you don't really get a lot of healing items, right? Mm-hmm. You get potions, but they're super rare drops and. Like right, you can't buy them like the other ones. Right, uh, they're just—it's very limited and um, almost like Ease Seven. I would say. Oh, where you can only like carry like a limited number with you at a time. Uh, wow. Less because you're limited and more, like you're not like limited by capacity, but you just like you always have to sort of make a judgment call about when you want to use them and blah blah blah. Um, yeah. So that was cool. It added some cool like uh like counter mechanics. Uh each thing each combat encounter really made sure that you were like learning the spacing 
of the enemy attacks and so on. Uh, it's a little clunky though, a little whatever. Um, it does. So because of the fact that it's like sort of procedurally generated, uh, some of the way that the, the game world flows can be really annoying, you know, like, and not in an interesting way, just kind mm-hmm. of arduous. Like, oh, I needed to go back to this teleporter. That is like all the way through like this, these annoying lava rooms. Like, and, uh, and then here comes the Hollow Knight problem. Unintentionally, though. Yeah. Uh, but it's a, it's a cool game. I think it's on sale now. It's worth playing for sure. If you like the genre, if you want to check out different stuff in it, it's it's cool. Um, has kind of an almost like an Indiana Jones feel at times. And then I I also played Sundered. Have y'all played this? Yes. I've, no, I don't. I that's not the game that you know actually. So this is uh, by the developers of Jotun and mm-hmm. uh, Spiritfarer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, fuck, I forgot what they're called or what their studio's name is. Um, but I actually like this game a lot. It felt like um, Outland, the Housemark game. They came out for 360. Uh, it, so it's it uses like a Lovecraftian mythos. So everything is like cosmic horror stuff. Mm-hmm. A lot of tentacle monsters. Not of like the Japanese hentai variety, but just like just tentacle monsters. Um, you know, stuff like that. The themes of like losing sanity and blah, blah, blah. Um it also has a sort of procedural generation aspect to it, but it's um, it's more like the game spawns several blocks, and sometimes the paths between those blocks change a little bit. Uh, again, I don't really think it adds as much, but it tries to do this like uh, mix of Metroidvania and roguelite. So, mm-hmm. because like when you die, it resets all that shit. So it ends up feeling like Diablo, if that makes sense. Like mm-hmm. if like you like left a Diablo game, you'd have to rediscover the map again and so on. Um, yeah. But you recognize certain heuristics with the environment and whatever. Uh, I, I, I actually like this game a lot more than, than I think most of the others. I think it might be my favorite indie Metroidvania, actually. 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 Um, I'm going to come out and say it. It's going to come out and say it. Sorry, I've been talking forever. (laughs) There are the Shantae games, and I've played all of those except for the most recent one, because I just haven't gotten around to it. Um, They are not good. They're not good. They're very like I, I was scared when we were talking about like by the book Metroidvania, so I was scared to say it. But if we're just gonna say it, Shantae's mids as fuck. It's um, fun. It's I got think, a cute art style, like, but it's, yeah. it's just fine. It's just average. I think the third game, Pirates Curse, is actually pretty decent. I, I'd still say it's like a seven at best. Mm-hmm. But seven's yeah, high for um, me. A seven is like probably like a C or low B for me, I think. Yeah, that's um, yeah, same. I would say that. Yeah. But most Shantae games, they're they don't do anything with the genre. Like 
you like you were talking about games that are like by the numbers going through the motions of a metroidvania those are like the worst examples you could probably pick and mm, they're okay. really popular and i mostly attribute that to the, the character designs and stories and stuff and, that, and that's fine if you like it for like reasons outside of gameplay that's totally cool but um for me personally i think i want the series to really improve because i feel like it's one of those series that you don't love, but you still follow because you're you feel like it's so close to becoming amazing. Gotcha. And yeah, you're waiting for that break. The newest game, yeah, like the newest game, um, Seven Sirens. I thought it was going to be like that because it wasn't like overhauling the art style for no good reason. Um, it was addressing a lot of complaints, like uh, mainly in regards to uh, like transforming into different animals and stuff, like. Instead, in like uh, the older games, you had to do this awkward dance to transform. Bash a wall with the element. You had to like stop everything and dance. And then when you did that, you had to transform back into like a human or whatever other form you wanted to use. Mm-hmm. And like Seven Sirens is going to address that by basically just making it so you press a button, that's it. And I was really jazzed about that. And then the game came out, and everybody said it was super disappointing. I, it just completely turned me off from ever wanting to really try it. So. Yikes. Uh, I, the, one of the first things I ever retweeted on Twitter, and by the way, just for reference, I, I, I think I only played the first Game Boy Color Chante. So I don't really know. One of the first things that I ever retweeted on Twitter was my friend saying that nobody actually really likes Chante for any reason but the, like, the potentiality of Rule 34. so that just when we we talk about fan service i was like okay maybe he was right yeah (laughs) and like again that that's totally fine if that's your preference um i think the series is super super close because i really like way forward as a developer i think they can make some really great games when they put their minds to it and it's weird that Chante is kind of like their flagship series at the moment because, like, they made River City Girls, and that's an, an awesome beat em up. I still need to play Playing that. it with my girlfriend. It's so fun. Yeah. And I, I think they're making that new Ninja Turtles game. That might be somebody else. Wait, no, that's. I no, think that's, that's the Streets of Rage, some of the Streets of Rage devs. Oh, oh gotcha. They are making that, but, that Ruby game, though. Um, I'm not interested in that I'm in the slightest. I'm, I've reached a point where I think Ruby is just never going to be good, so I'm not engaging <laughs> with it more than I need to. Oh, man, dude. So um, I bought Blaze Blue Cross Tag, and I saw mm-hmm. I, I really liked Ruby's design. I'm a fan of Scythes. And so I was like, mm-hmm. oh, I'll try out this show. And I watched the first episode, and, dude, I, I couldn't. I literally couldn't. It looked like the it's... Donkey Kong show from the nineties, <laughs> like the the CGI. Like, I and I I know I know why. I read a bit about the production of it. I get why the first episode looked like that and all the tragic stuff that surrounds it. But also, um, no, I can't. <laughs> I can't. I, I, I'll, maybe I'll try to watch the rest at some point. But I have to exhaust other avenues before I get to that. Not worth it. You're fine, man. Don't don't yeah. don't you don't gotta do Actually, that. That Ruby no. game is supposed to be a Metroidvania, like multiple characters and stuff. Oh, so what's it called? It's it, like, if it's decent, it's like Arrow something. 
I don't know. I just read about this the other day. That's why it's on the top of my mind here. Um, yeah. Yeah. And so this brings me to a point because I, I mentioned this a little bit in the couple games I was talking about is procedural generation in Metroidvanias. Uh, how do you guys feel about this subject? It, I don't actually. I don't know. It, it's one of those things that like when it works out well, it's 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 nice. But I feel like it's kind of it kind of goes against what a lot of the things I like about Metroidvanias are, and instead replaces it with just like generally, like you said, a lot of keyhole style mechanics that they can freely switch around and stuff like that. Like, I think those ones, when when they're roguelikes, I think I enjoy them a little bit more because then you can yes. get that, like, crazy Feels overpowered build. Yeah. Like, getting a really good build in Robot Name Fight just makes it a great... It may, it's, it's so fun. You just feel so good about fucking completely whooping shit. But, like... It's definitely one where sometimes you just run into it and you're just like, oh, this again. Like, <laughs> I have a visitor, by the way. This is acceptable. <laughs> this is just hello, She's sniffing the, the mic. Hi, Viv. How are you doing? Oh, ugh. In my mouth. Um, yeah, no, I, I agree. I'm not a huge fan. Uh, Isaiah, have you played any Metroidvania games that use procedural generation or something similar to it no but i don't like the sound of it because <laughs> there's like a sort of like handcrafted touch that you need with those kinds of genres yes and so from the outset and like i don't i don't think i'd like that if i try one of those although yeah. i am a fan of like modifiers and ran randomizers and stuff like that put that in for sure you damn it dude you spoiled where this was going <laughs> so uh i think personally that the future is for metroidvanias is the concept of randomizers i think we're gonna see a game in the next couple years maybe couple months who knows that uses a, a randomizer in the same way that like a super metroid randomizer or a symphony of the night randomizer does uh, I don't think it's going to be like, I think it's going to be like an original IP that uses that concept to go through the game. I think in the next couple of years, we're going to see a game that does this and it's going to be the biggest trend. I think so too, actually. Mark my words, the f like three people who listen to this podcast, <laughs> uh, make a Google doc and say that uh, the three of us have nodded our heads in agreement to this concept. Um, I just, I think there's a lot of potential for it because it's exactly like what you said. It adds a layer of handcraftedness and randomness to something without it being just because we're just procedurally generating just because they're like the, the no man's sky fallacy, right? Um, yeah. Or at least release no man's sky fallacy. Let's say that. Um, <laughs> So I, I think there's a lot of potentiality to, to design a game, a Metroidvania-style game, with that as the, as the core gameplay mechanic. I think, wasn't Bloodstained supposed to have a mode like this? Yeah, they ended, added a randomizer a while ago. They were going to do like a mode where they um, 
that shifted the rooms around, but like it, they couldn't do that because of like certain issues involving production. So they had to mm-hmm. cut it, and they were gonna redouble their efforts on like the classic mode and the randomizer too. I see. Maybe in the sequel, though. Who knows? Did Did you play the randomizer? It's the randomizer is weird because it doesn't do as much as you might think in Bloodstain's case, and that's mainly because of certain like key items like i think the aegis shield that you need to get into the area where you go fight uh what's his name uh zangetsu to get the sword mm-hmm. um it's still in the same super bullshit area who's meant to find that um it's still in the same area that it was whenever you're not randomizing it or maybe i got like really dumb item placement with that who knows yeah but yeah it feels like it still hits those same beats regardless of whether you're playing with a randomizer or not. So it doesn't feel all that different. Right. So, man, because Frank mentioned this earlier about how he likes this kind of stuff better in a roguelite. And I feel like there is such a fine line between that kind of randomness or whatever, randomizingness and a roguelite's general game flow. And there's mm-hmm. like a sweet, there's like an untapped sweet spot that is pretty much only filled by like Super Metroid fan randomizers and Soten fan randomizers, stuff like that. Um, and I really just, I want to see it, man. <laughs> I want to see yeah. what can be done, because uh, I think that adds a lot of, a lot of uh, replay value rather than just replayability. Because I think most Metroidvania games have a lot of replayability. I like like what you just said there. Replay value with value being the key word versus replayability. They'll do different things. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I think I like that. That makes sense. Uh, Yeah. Cause it's like, you know, one is just the ability to, to replay the game for a reason. And the Mm. other was basically replaying the game because (sighs) how it holds up basically on subsequent playthroughs or replays or different ways approaches that you take um yeah but yeah i i think you know like going through the the shit what is it seven metroidvanias that i went through in the last couple eight with dread actually actually uh eight with that um i start to see a lot of the same formulas Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I, I don't know what, what 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 do you guys think can be done to innovate the formula of this genre? Um, I'm not really sure because Metroidvanias are weird because like they're not like platformers, they're not like RPGs or anything of the sort where they're like they've never gone through like a major shift like yeah besides like Super Metroid and uh symphony of the night to a lesser degree um they've never had like their dragon quest three moment or like their ocarina time moment or more recently like their breath of the wild moment where like everybody can turn to that and say like oh this is it right so as far as like innovating that goes i don't really know because it's a very it's a it's like a genre that like deliberately constrains itself to make it work if mm-hmm. you had to put it up like a almost like a comfort thing it's like what you see is what you get you know to expect yeah uh and even though like the obviously the nuances of that are always different but 
as a whole. Man, so well, before I ask this question, Frank, what about you? What do you think that we can do to, to what can be done to innovate the genre? You can't yeah, everyone's doing a little bit in their own ways and stuff like that. I, for for me, the um, the for me the the fun of the genre is in the formula and like. I'm one of those people who, as long as it's entertaining and gives me rewards, and like we said, that serotonin, I'm generally just like, yeah, this is fine. Just just keep running. Just keep turning the wheels. But, like, yeah. if we wanted to, to innovate, I mean, I don't know. Just give it more RPG mechanics, then I'll shut up. Just more. I guess devs could, like, explore, like, Metroidvanias in a 3D space more often because those are exceedingly rare. Yeah, like, good. Yes, yes, they are. Yeah, I. So. I honestly think like Souls, if you consider that a Metroidvania, I think if you, yeah. that's really the only good example I could think of that like formula or game flow. Mm -hmm. Besides, like besides Metroid Prime, I guess. Um, yeah, that's yeah. Ret Returnal, I think. No, so Returnal is. Uh, no, I, I, uh, Returnal is very much, it leans very, very much on the rogue light stuff. Oh. The, the only thing is, is okay. So when you first start the game, uh, I would say, and this is just a random number, 30 to 40% of rooms have something in them where you don't have an upgrade to get to them yet, but they don't allow necessarily progression. They just allow more upgrade potential. So like maybe there's a health item there or like a, something that like a, a weapon, that kind of stuff. Um, so that's really the only, I think people just like, because the art style is sort of similar to not similar. The art style is evocative of some elements of Metroid prime. I think people were, game journalistically <laughs> uh, referring to to that like I, I i definitely heard somebody describe it dude it's like metroid prime it's like what the what game have you played like did you play metroid prime or did you just look at nintendo power screenshots which hey no judgment if that was the case but don't try to apply that to something um yeah no metroid prime is a really i mean it's maybe obvious because it's a metroid game but like i i think it that's one of the best uses of it and i i i hope that whatever metroid prime 4 is because i don't think it's going to be metroid prime 4 i think it's going to be reworked to be something different probably um, um probably gonna have like metroid prime subtitles something something or, yeah i think they're, i think they're probably gonna do um i'm hoping they do the prime trilogy now because now that Dreads out. Everybody loves it. It's actually selling well. Like the floodgates mm -hmm. are open. They can do whatever they want. Yeah. Uh, shit. So I, I I talked about this on one of the other episodes, but one of the developers who worked on the original Metroid Prime trilogy, who also worked on the ports to the Wii, um, he talked about how much work it would be for Nintendo to port that over to the Switch and use Switch control integrate gyro controls. And because mm, like yeah. certain aspects of like how the game was coded and how it works in the engine are really tricky. So it would require a lot of work. He estimated, I don't know, like almost close to like a million dollar investment just to port it over and mm. to bring those assets yes. into like QA marketing, all that kind of stuff. Like it would actually be pretty expensive. And Nintendo is one of those companies who believes that you don't 
release something before like you don't release a, a a title in a series before another one comes out like um you know like intuition and just logic states that like you would want to release uh, a metroid game in relative proximity to dread because either you build audience or you take the momentum from dread but the problem is is that nintendo is very boomer about these kind of things and they're going to be like no that's going to hurt the sales of this why are we going to devote it to a port and also nintendo is so fucking parasitic about how they handle ports that it'll probably be something bunk the big rumor that i've heard is that they're actually remaking prime one in some yeah, way. they were remaking Prime One, and then they were gonna do like two and three separately. But I heard I just, about that. I don't, I don't. That sucks. I, as mu- as much as I would love to see Prime One with motion, like updated motion controls and mechanics, and uh, a way to cut down some of that backtracking, um, I would rather just see them take, just fucking port the game as is. Just, just do it. Yeah, get it. Like. Prime One's already still a really looking, good looking game. Yes, so yes, it is. They don't really need to do much with it. I just replayed all the Metroid games, and when I was playing through Prime One, I was like, I mean, there's some janky things here and there, but like for a pretty early GameCube game, it looks great, dude. Like I remember, oh yeah, when that game came out, I was like, dude, this is like the best looking game on the market right now. To, to my fucking dumbass little little kid uh <laughs> viewpoints but like it's not completely wrong i think they're the art style to that game is just so good it's mm-hmm. so evocative of the game's feel that and it that feeds into itself but um yeah yeah no i i i, I this is this is a subject that irritates me to no end because nintendo sucks so bad at this kind of stuff um, I don't know if they'll take the chance for it, but and this is why I think that Prime Four will be retooled or renamed because even if you released Metroid Prime One through Three on the Switch, that like having four in the title really suggests that you know you got to play the other three. In yeah. 2022, yeah. Nintendo <laughs> brings Metroid Prime. <laughs> They just throw in Indiana. Oh no! Samus is back again and again. It's like the super edgy, incredibly yeah. like over the top. Like it's she's, like a Transformers trailer. Like she's completely naked except for like metal nipple coverings and like oh, her no. boobs are like a no. They're little Metroids, bro. Come on. Oh yeah. Okay, that's fair. And then her boobs look like every NPC in Kuro no Kisaki. Like, it's going to be great. Great. <laughs> Give me an opportunity to dunk on trails in every single episode that I ever do for anything, and I will take it. Hey, I'm here for it. <laughs> Thanks, man. Hey, hey, I got a good joke about trails. Um, you just got to play, like, eight 80-hour games to get it, so... Oh, oh God. Okay. <laughs> I promise it's worth it, I swear. I swear this game series is worth it, it playing it to get this joke. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's a low-hanging fruit, but it's a delicious one. That's the way I see it. Um, okay, I, I, sorry to wrap this up so abruptly, uh, but before we do so, uh, let's... 
is somebody gun to your head? Or, you know, how about this? You're working in a game store. Some earnest little thing comes in and is like, what's a Metroidvania daddy? And you have to explain to them what it is. And you have to recommend them a game in this genre. What would it be? Um, so first, I wouldn't say that Metroidvanias are really for kids. Um, well, not for most kids. They're going to get pretty complicated. Oh, to be fair, maybe he's oh, an adult. No, <laughs> I, I buried I myself with this hypothetical. I'm sorry. <laughs> you said the scene too strong, Joey. He's got daddy <laughs> issues. Okay, that's it. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, I think I would recommend... I don't think I can hear Joey. I no, I didn't say anything. Oh, oh okay. Um, well, first I would probably say that they're like pretty much just like two D exploration games. Um, that that is basically what they are like at their core, pretty much. Like they've got platforming. They might have RPG elements, but like that's basically the main thing. Like you're exploring in a two D game. You're doing puzzles on occasion. You're doing boss fights and stuff, but. If I were to recommend a single game, I don't really think I could do that. I would say any of the DS Castlevanias are like good options because they're all pretty easy. Um, it's hard to get lost in any of them, except for maybe, uh, except for maybe Portrait of Rowan if you're yeah. doing like the side quests. Sure. And getting the true ending, the true ending in that game is insane. I love Portrait of Rowan. Oh, same here. I. I, I'm pretty sure it's still my second favorite. I played Dawn of Sorrow uh, again like a couple months ago, and I was wondering if it was my favorite because if if it was my second favorite because Arya is still the best. But um, Portrait is still my favorite. I think I love like, the main duo. I like the story a lot too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a ton of fun. Order of Ecclesia is my favorite, but Arya is probably second. I think Porter is really good too. That game is hard as hell though. So I love it. I did level one hard mode and it really hurt me <laughs> deeply. <laughs> uh, what about you, Frank? What are you recommending to my fucking awful hypothetical that I made? <laughs> um, Came to me in the moment. Super Metro. Super Metro. Uh, and I'd be like, well, you search and then there's also action, but we don't talk about that, especially in that order. Mm-hmm. But yeah, honestly, it's, it's Super Metroid. The, the, the game really is an iconic experience. The atmosphere of it, the, the organic learning. The I, I love my, my good buddy. He's he can't stop complaining about. He's playing through all the Metroids for the first time, and he can't stop complaining about the timing on the wall jump. And I'm like, you don't have to do it ever. Oh yeah, you just can, that one. and that's the beautiful part of it. And once you can do that, then you can start doing all kinds of crazy sequence. Like, I almost hated in Dread how easy it was to get, like, a million miles in the air with bombs compared to, like, like we had to work for that in the day. <laughs> but, oh, yeah. yeah, no, it's so easy. Wait, by the way, what was that sound? That was, like, a really familiar sound. I can't it was. Think. It's a Mega I'm pretty Man sure that's, like, the thing from Mega Man X. When you're that's that, what you know? it is. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's been my alert sound for, like, a million years. It's iconic at this point for me. Hell yeah. Uh, I've never but, played yeah. Mega Man X. My uh, layout's a lie. Yeah. No, you're like, <laughs> Mega Man who? I've heard that it's cool and you get clout for liking it. 
So that's why I made uh, my overlay this. <laughs> of course. Well, now you just need to go buy an X3 cartridge. I have one. For it'll be a real a liver? Yeah, I have, have, I have one? A, I have a CIB one. It's in like perfect shape. Oh, hell yeah. Wow. And I have the Saturn one, too. <laughs> I've got this. Uh, uh, oh, dude, throw it Get out! Get that shit out of here. What the <laughs> fuck, man? Oh, bro. Oh. This man comes on this podcast and holds up a copy of Mega Man X7. As you just blew it. Now we know you're a real Mega Man fan. You can't, you can't fake it. That was, you, just, you just got fucking exposed, Joey. Like, no, I, I swear I'm not a Mega Man fan. Yeah, like, I, could, a, could a real Mega Fan fan not say anything if I showed you this? <laughs> no, I still have it. I, um, I don't like to acknowledge its existence, but I have it. Um, I, you know, it's, there's something satisfying about seeing a whole collection on your shelf, even if like three mm-hmm. of the games suck ass real bad. So yeah. one day I'll find something good about that game, but it's not today. <laughs> it will be a deeply analytical, but yeah. exaggerated. No! <laughs> I'm banning both of you. I'm banning both of you. <laughs> I, I, I usually, you usually fucking start laughing so early and I was like, I got him. I said the whole thing. I was waiting for it. I didn't. I didn't. I didn't know for sure if you if you if you latched onto it or not. Um, it's my favorite. Are any other any other subjects that you guys want to quickly bring up before we wrap this up? Play Carrion. Um, mm, good. Play Carrion. Metroidvania. I don't think. I, I think that game has honestly raised the bar for me as far as modern Metroidvanias go. At least when it comes to presentation. That game looks it looks so pretty. I love the way it looks. Playing Dread, all I could hear is the like shitty click page. <laughs> Metroid Dread proves Samus is it's called Metroidvania for a reason. <laughs> she still got it. But it's true, it really was that it's like you could tell that they like made sure that they learned from some of the games that have come in between the last 2D Metroid. Like, oh, yeah. And I feel like that was good to see yeah. that instead of just being like, no, we're Metroid and this is how we do it. They were like, these other people have had some pretty good ideas, so we're going to touch on that and use some of that influence in really shows. It's what I was, when they started, I was, I was like, what powers are we going to get? I mean, I feel like I've had every fucking That's power the most exciting to traverse thing. ever in in like throughout all the metroidvania games i've played right and they still the move all the upgrades and the movement options were so awesome in dread like it's just samish still has it <laughs> phase shift is my favorite upgrade so funny yeah, for, for, capital g, for capital g gamers such as ourselves that's mm-hmm. just like you're like oh i can dodge so easily <laughs> you could make a whole game out of these puzzles if you really wanted to Yes, and I I kind of hope that that gets innovated on a little bit more in the future because like that formula of like the last five percent of upgrades are like really complex speed booster puzzles. It's cool, but I just like I want something more, man. I want something more. It should have to be speed boosters every time. Mm-hmm. It's always did it have to be speed boosters? You gotta. Uh, cool. All right. Uh. Yeah. By the way, you guys should all pirate Metroid Dread because it's running fabulously. <laughs> I'm joking. I'm joking. Stop coming at me with your pitchforks. It was irony. Um, yeah. So before we head out, uh, thank you guys so much for 
joining me on this. It's always a pleasure to talk to y'all. Um, Isaiah, thanks for actually finally being on the, the podcast proper, man. It's, it's really good to have you on here. Um, you guys want to give some plugs about who you are and what you do? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, um, <laughs> yeah, you can, um, you can find me pretty much anywhere at WoodmanFLG, um, pretty much in most places. You can actually catch um, – is, is it – are you on tomorrow, Joey, right? Yeah. Or I, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Joe, me and Joey are uh, Super RPG Friends is tomorrow, so that's Thursday, every Thursday, 8 p.m. EST. You can find us at Super RPG Friends on Facebook or – twitter but we do a uh, really awesome innovative uh like five man rpg weekly show that we have a lot of fun with and it's a great time um and then yeah that's that's where you could find me um i am zanoga i'm on twitter and that's basically it i have started writing for a game site recently called nook gaming oh fuck it. the first review hasn't gone up quite yet because it's still being drafted and stuff but yeah if you ever want to find stuff i write when they're done you can go right over there hell yeah uh i didn't know that that's awesome man congrats yeah congrats i'm stoked to read what can you can you give us a hint about what your first piece might be sonic colors i pretty it's not it's not a scathing review of colors ultimate but that game really should have been better than what it was because Colors, I think, is a fantastic game when it first came out. And then Colors Ultimate, I still liked it enough to 100% the whole thing in like half a day. Damn. But Damn. it never felt right when I was playing it like the whole time on the Switch. I get so that. So hopefully patches, patches can come and fix it up. But yeah. I definitely get that. Uh, I will hopefully update this link about whenever that goes live. So anyone who's listening could check that out like in the future. Uh, Thanks again, guys for joining me. Hope you all have a wonderful day. Thanks for listening and watching or whatever. Uh, Hanging out. I am banned from Twitter for the next eight hours. So uh, uh, I'm, I'm sorry if for some reason anybody reaches out to me in this time, it is is desperate bleak period. Uh, And I just want to say that anyone who calls a Metroidvania game a Castleroid can search action some bitches.